Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. God is just doing phenomenal things in the church. I can't wait to see what's next. I hope you're excited about what's next. How many of you buy your kids bigger things on Christmas just so you can see that expression? And they're so expecting. And my son, Cameron, they have uh, been fostering two two-year-olds, little, little twin, boy and girl. And he said, Dad, I can't wait till Christmas. I get to see, because his, his other kids, his other two are 17 and almost 16, and they, they just don't do what little wee-wats do on Christmas. They're expecting, and because of that, he wants to make it a big Christmas again. And I'm just sitting there thinking, how much is God like that? Our Heavenly Father. He wants us to be expecting, and then He delivers. He delivers. So just tuck that away inside as we begin uh, this new series. I am firmly convinced that this church is entering a new era. And that will include a new level of God's glory. Hallelujah. 2017 is going to be that kind of a year. And I didn't know this, but I recently shared what I just shared with you, that, that I believe 2017 is going to be a big year for the church, for Mount Hope Church as well as the church, capital C. And she said, the number 17 in the uh, ancient Hebrew actually stands for victory. I didn't know that. Victory for the church, victory for Jesus' bride. How many of you are his bride? Amen. Then she said, I believe victory is here. Can you say that with me? Victory is here. Would you stand one more time? I know I already kind of prayed a little bit during communion, but say that with me. Victory is here. Lord, we are expecting big things. We are expecting you to move mightily today. We pray that you would give us open hearts, ears to hear, eyes to see what you want to say to us. Lord, even if this man doesn't say it, I pray you, Holy Spirit, would speak into the lives of every single person here. And Lord, that you would move on them in ways that only you can. We pray for miracles. We pray for favor, God. We pray that you would just tickle our, our heartstrings today. That there'd be giggles and laughs. That there'd be seriousness about the message. And at the same time, that you would help us to grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. We ask this all today in Jesus' mighty name. And again, everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. The series that I'm beginning today, Risk Takers and Mold Breakers, has to do with the church walking in victory. That's what God wants from us. As servants of the Most High God, we are often challenged to do things that are impossible for men but not for him. God invites us to become risk takers. And that often means that we will break the mold of social norms and we'll find ourselves swimming against the current of our mainstream society. How many have felt like that lately? It's like you can't say anything without somebody wanting to give you a whooping. I believe that the Holy Spirit is challenging us to move to new levels. Some of us are going to be taken to new heights, new places. But to get to that new level, we're going to have to exercise our faith more than ever before and do things that we've never done before. And I don't know about you, but I get a little bit shaky on the inside when the Lord asks me to do something I've never done before. Amen? It, it's, it makes you nervous. And we shouldn't be because we're, supposed to, we're not supposed to be anxious about anything. But listen, it's just human nature. When God asks you to go speak to somebody and you've never done it, when God asks you to go tell them about Jesus and you've never done that, the first time, man, you're shaking in your boots. 
first time that the Lord asked me to go to speak to somebody on a street. Los Angeles. In the hood. Watts. White boy. Only white boy. And they, they teamed me up with this guy, and I wished I could remember his name, but I couldn't. But I remember he had a brown eye and a blue eye. It was amazing. I, was, I wanted that. And he was out of the teen challenge system, and he was sharing Jesus, and they teamed me up with him so that I wouldn't get killed. And that's what they told me. I was a little nervous. And we went out, and we started talking to anybody that would listen to us. And I'm telling you, we shared Jesus with a lot of people. A lot of people. Broken people. And they really wanted what we were telling them about Jesus. They wanted to know it. They were just so stuck in their environment that they didn't know how to get out. And I'm telling you, that's why the church has got to come alive today. We've got to get out there and we've got to tell people about Jesus. Exercising one's faith always takes great risk. If what you're about to do isn't risky, it's probably not from God. Amen? And because we're seeing things that are not as though they were, and that's the Hebrew definition, Hebrews 11.1, 1, that means that as you share that, because they're not seeing it, that they're probably going to think that you're a little cuckoo. What? What do you mean you're healed? <coughs> what do you mean you're healed? Hey, by the blood of Jesus, I'm healed, man. I'm walking in that. I don't care what the outer appearance might be telling me. I don't care that right now my head's throbbing. It's under the blood in Jesus' name. And you just keep walking in it. I wanted to share as my first example a little bit about Abraham. Y'all remember him, right? The old geezer. I'm not as old as him, but I'm getting close. Romans 4, and these are the words of Paul, but Romans 4, starting with verse 16, and I don't have it all behind me for this because it was too long, but let me just share the first verse and then the second one we'll have up. Therefore, the promise comes by faith. What? The promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Who's, who's in the house today? You're one of Abraham's offspring. All of us are. Hallelujah. Not only to those who are of the law, meaning the Hebrew people, the Jews, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. How do we get grafted into the vine? Through our faith in Jesus. Hallelujah. He is the father of us all, the Bible says. God's promises come through our faith. You're the one that determines whether or not you're going to experience His promises. The only way to do it is to live your life by faith. Verse 17, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our Father in the sight of God in whom He believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. And that's the part I wanted you to get right there. God calls things that are not as though they were. Before there was light, he said what? Let there, Let there be light. He called it as though it were. He saw it and it came. And we are expected as his children to live our lives by faith, just as Abraham was living here. Now let, keep that one up and let me move on. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, and this is important, without weakening in your faith. Keep that tucked away. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. That's what I just said about coffin. You're sitting there going, <coughs> I'm healed. Whatever. People are going to look at you like you're nuts when you tell them, I'm healed, man. By the blood of Jesus, I'm just expecting it. It may not be manifest yet, but it's coming. I'm healed. Abraham looked at his worn-out body, and he said, I can't have kids. Sarah is 90 years old. She can't have kids. His wife, by the way. And yet, he believed. 
By what? By faith. Amen. He faced the fact his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was already dead. Now, that's, that's not a nice description of a woman's womb. I'm sorry. She was just flat old. old. In other words, it was humanly impossible for Sarah to have kids. But God had another plan. He saw things as though they were. Yet he did not waver, verse 20. He did not doubt through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith, and he gave God the glory. You know, when you find yourself in that place where you're just sitting there going, oh man, come on God, I need this miracle. Just stop thinking about it and just start giving him the glory. Lord, I just praise you. I thank you. Begin to thank him. I thank you, Lord, for this healing. I thank you, Lord, for, for the, the meeting the need, my financial need, Lord. I have given to your kingdom. I have given. I've planted seed in the kingdom of God and the church. And, Lord, I know you say that what we reap, what we sow, we will reap. And, Lord, today, I just stand here believing that you're going to meet this need according to your riches and glory. But we can't begin to doubt he goes on to say this verse 21 being fully persuaded that god had power to do what he had promised what does it mean to be fully persuaded you are 100 percent in agreement that this is going to take place no doubts this is why it was credited to him as righteousness God saw Abraham as righteous because of his faith. Because it didn't waver. Abraham is a great example of someone that believed. God was able to do what he said he would do as long as Abraham didn't doubt. And we see that that came to pass. He had a son. God wants you and me to move from victory to victory. Not from loss to loss. How does that give him glory? Amen? We need to move from victory to victory. But many of us, hear this, many of us are stuck in a faithless rut. We're stuck in a faithless rut. We still think with our carnal mind, and we forget what Jesus has already done for us. We all need to take Christian author Graham Cook's advice, who said, When you live from your new nature in Christ, you are living in his delight. And let me ask you this. Is he your delight? You know, some of us, we see God as this judge who's just going to whoop on us every time we make a wrong move. That's not the kind of relationship the Lord wants with us. He wants you to delight in him. When you come to church, he doesn't want you to sit there going, geez, I wish this was over. He wants you to get to the end of it and go, man, I wish we had another hour. (laughs) Serious. Because you delight in Him. That's what He wants for us. Graham went on to say, He is perfectly pleased with Jesus, and Jesus is in you. (laughs) Get that? Make that connection? God doesn't love us. He loves us. But He doesn't love us so much because of us He loves us because His Son, Jesus, is in us. So if I can put it like this, when He sees you, He sees your twin, Jesus. Don't go preaching that. That's not scriptural. I'm just saying, though. You know, sometimes we have favorites. Do we? Anybody have favorites? No, don't tell me. I have four boys. They're all my favorite, right? And they are. But when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He is his favorite. You're right below him. He wouldn't have sent Jesus for you if you weren't. He wouldn't have sent Jesus to die for you if you weren't. Now listen to this part. You've got to catch this. Freedom becomes your new norm. And I, I like that just because of the new norm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are now able to experience accelerated growth in areas where you have previously felt stuck. 
Now, Graham speaks prophetically. His books are prophetic in nature. And I'm telling you, you get a hold of them, any of them, and they, they just speak life into you. But what I want you to see here is Jesus, if we're walking with him, we should also be walking in accelerated growth. We shouldn't be stagnant. We shouldn't be moving backwards. We need to be moving ahead and moving ahead like a rocket. Accelerated growth. I, I was thinking about this. What does that mean? And I, it reminded me, the Lord reminded me of walking through the airport. And I, I think it was uh, Atlanta. And I had to get from one gate to another one, which is a mile away, it seemed like. And in order to get there on time, I had to hustle. So what did I do? I started running. And then I saw these really cool little things that were zipping along, like speed walks or something. I don't know what they're called. I meant to look it up. What are they called? Moving walkways. And I jumped on that thing, and once I got my balance, I started running on that. I'm telling you what, I felt like flash. <laughs> I mean, I was cooking. I was passing people on that thing. They looked at me like I was nuts, but they probably knew I'm about to miss my plane. I'm telling you, that's how Jesus wants us to be in our faith walk with him. He wants us to have that accelerated growth. Zoom! You and I should be living in our new nature. And that comes when you're born again. If you're born again, this is how all of us should be living. Now, if you're not born again, I'm going to talk about that at the end and give you an opportunity to change that too so that you can become born again. And this is what this means. 2 Corinthians 5.17 This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now, we don't change our physical appearance so much, right? But on the inside, our spirit man has changed. And we go from the, to a, I always think of Jesse Duplantis. He's got those big teeth. Cajun, he loves the Lord. And I'm telling you, he will tell you all about it if you give him a chance. It's one of my favorite preachers. Have you felt stuck in your old life? God is saying that you are free to pursue Him and the life that He has, hear this, already given you. If you haven't taken hold of it, it's your fault. Did you hear that? That's what faith is. God has already given you the miracles. You have to take hold of them. And you do that by exercising your faith. As Cheryl Salem said, victory is ours. It's not coming, it's here. I want you to repeat this with me. I am not going to get the victory, I have the victory. Say it again. I am not going to get the victory, I have the victory. You have got to get this. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I think that grape juice got Hallelujah! They were telling me that when they opened the top of it, it was a little fizzy. I said, ah, we'll see how that turns out. <laughs> so if you feel kind of weak here today, <clears throat> we need to train ourselves to believe and operate as though we already have the victory. We need to stop sabotaging ourselves by speaking negative words over ourselves and over our family. And, and, and we all do this. You know it. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit will remind you when you start spewing that negative stuff. Because that's not faith. That's a curse. You're cursing your own family. You're cursing yourself. Here's an example. I just can't kick this bad habit. I'll always be a loser. And I've heard people say this. Well, listen. If Jesus Christ shed His blood for you, then you are born anew, you are born again, you are a new person, the old man is behind you. The new man is you. And all of God's promises are yes and amen to those who believe. But you got to take hold of them. you got to stop speaking the dead stuff and start being the I'm alive stuff. How do you move as though you have the victory? 
over whatever it is that you're facing, whether a mountain or an enemy. And I wanted to read from the Psalms because when I read this, I was like, wow, this is cool. Psalm 118, verse 10 to 14. Though hostile nations surrounded me, that's any enemy you might have, by the way, I destroyed them all with the authority of the Lord. What did he destroy them with? The authority of the Lord. Verse 11, yes, they surrounded me and attacked me, but I destroyed them all with the authority of the Lord. Verse 12, they swarmed around me like bees. They blazed against me like a crackling fire, but I destroyed them all with the authority of the Lord. My enemies did their best to kill me, but the Lord rescued me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me the victory. Hallelujah. I just realized when I read that passage, I dreamed about bees last night in my dream. By the way, the red is my emphasis. I didn't make that connection until just now. I destroyed my enemies with the authority of the Lord. The psalmist was writing in a form of poetry, but I believe it was so that they could get it into their spirit. Would you say this with me? I destroyed my enemies with the authority of the Lord. He repeated it four times so that they would get it into their spirit. You have an enemy? Destroy him with the authority of the Lord. That's what God's saying. Got an enemy? Destroy it with the authority of Jesus. The NIV actually replaces the authority with the name of the Lord. They both mean the same thing. Our authority comes from who? Jesus. He is the name of the Lord. Amen? If you want to walk in victory, then you do what Jesus told you to do. You take authority over that thing, that sickness, that individual. And Jesus makes this point clear in John 14, 13 and 14. And I'm using a lot of Scripture because I don't want anybody to say, well, how'd you come up with that? It's right here. You can ask for anything in my name. What? Anything. Anything in my name and I will do it. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. It's all about God getting the glory. If, if you do something in the supernatural and you take credit, I'm telling you what, it ain't going to happen much longer. Give God the glory, whatever happens. Don't try to take it, oh, look what I did. Verse 14, yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Jesus' own words. The authority comes from Jesus' name. The one that came and lived a sinless life was Jesus. The one that died on the cross for you and me was Jesus. The one that is seated at the right hand of the Father is Jesus. The one that makes intercession for us daily is Jesus and none other. He has all the authority of heaven and with it he defeated sin and death. 1 Corinthians 15 57. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go back to Psalm 118, the last verse that I shared. Verse 14. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. That's where the emphasis needs to be. He has given me the victory. Notice that this whole verse, or this passage, talks about Getting the victory in a past tense sense. The Lord has already given you the victory. When Jesus said it is finished, when he was hung on that cross, when he said it is finished, it was finished. There's no more you're going to add to it or take away from it. It was done on the cross. That means we must take hold of that victory and we have to speak and move as though it's already ours. Praise be to God. Matthew 16, verse 17 and following. Jesus' parting words. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Those who what? Believe. believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak a new language. 
They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. The supernatural signs that follow the people of God follow those who operate in the authority of Jesus Christ. Those who take God at His word, those that believe that they already have the victory. I've been reading a lot about different missionaries and every single one of them without acceptance if they've really done mighty things in the Lord. They always believe first. They even give God thanks before their prayers are answered because they believe that the answer is coming in Jesus' name. When we speak with the authority of Jesus, we are literally putting the devil and his minions on notice And we're saying, you've already been defeated by the blood of the Lamb. And there's nothing you can do about it. That's what Jesus was telling his disciples in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. How much clearer can it get? And yet we still struggle with this. The miracle comes when you believe that you have already received it by faith. Like Abraham, the victory comes after God's people have exercised their faith, after they have believed. The prophecy that was shared over us last week, and if you weren't here, it was talking about how there's a wall around the church and and the people's doctrines need to be changed in order for that wall to come down. And, And I believe that this message, today's message in part, is what doctrine needs to be changed. You see, we're really good about coming to the Lord with our needs and we're praying, oh God, I'm believing that you're going to do whatever it is. Heal me of my cold. Let's just use that as an example because we've already talked about it. We can't doubt. Once we've prayed, and once we've prayed believing that we already have the victory, and our prayer should be as such, by the way, we can't allow doubt to come in upon us. This is what James said, James 1.6 When he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all that he does. As I said, we're really good about asking the Lord for things, but then the test comes, the test of our faith. And this is where a lot of us really mess up. Because as soon as opposition comes, as soon as somebody says, oh, you're not healed. What are you thinking, goofball? We start going, oh, maybe I'm not healed. What does Jesus say? If you believe, you will receive. Don't doubt. Pray for the sick and they will recover. Don't doubt. If you want the victory, you must understand God's word enough to see that He's already given you the victory. If you really want God to answer your prayers, you have to act as though you've already received what it is that you're asking for. I'll be the first to admit, this takes great faith and it can often be risky. You know what? Serving the Lord is risky business. Because we have to put ourselves out there, don't we? We have to trust God at His Word. That's what this book is intended to do. To instruct us. It reveals his promises. It reveals how to pray. It reveals everything there is to know about God and how he created this planet. It's a wonderful book. We need to get this into our hearts, into our spirits, so that we know what those promises are, so that we know how to pray. If you obey and don't doubt, the Lord will move mightily on your behalf Throughout this series, I'm going to use heroes of the faith, if you will, as examples of what I'm trying to talk about here today. This week I wanted to highlight Andrew Vanderbilt. 
known for his book, God's Smuggler. Who's heard of that? All right? And known by most as Brother Andrew. <laughs> Nobody knows his last name. I wasn't even sure I sp- pronounced it right. But I wanted to share first how he got saved, and this is important because I want you to see that he was a regular guy. When he start, before he started doing miracles, he was just like you and me. He didn't have faith. He didn't know the Lord. And this talks about how he ended up getting saved, and then I'll move on from there. Andrew joined the Dutch army as a young man where he was wounded in battle in Indonesia. Though not life-threatening, his wound caused Andrew to be taken to a hospital that was being run by Franciscan nuns. God bless the nuns. It was in that environment that Andrew observed how the nuns were always happy. Happy, happy, happy. No, that's not nuns. That's somebody else. Though there were their jobs would make most people miserable as they were continuously dumping bedpans, cleaning wounds, and bathing sick people. How many of you would be real excited about that? Some of you say, that's my job. (laughs) Sorry. The sister's happiness made Andrew curious, and one day he asked a nun why she was always smiling. Opendoors.com shared that conversation and what followed. One day I asked the nun who came to bathe me, how it was that she and the other sisters were always so cheerful. Drives you nuts, doesn't it? Tim, when you get around people that are always smiling, do you slap them? I mean, it's like, or does that make you feel better? Man, sometimes, I, especially in the mornings, I see those people like my wife coming out, ah, good morning, hey, thank you. She doesn't even expect me to respond until after my first cup of coffee. The story goes on to say that Andrew, oh, sorry, I skipped a part. Why, Andrew, I skipped another part. One day I asked the nun who came to bathe me how it was that she and the other sisters were also always so cheerful. Why, Andrew, you ought to know the answer to that, a good Dutch boy like you. It's the love of Christ. When she said it, her eyes sparkled, and I knew without question that for her, this was the whole answer. She could have talked all afternoon and said no more. But you're teasing me, aren't you, she said, tapping the well-worn little Bible where it lay on the bedside table next to me. You've got the answer right here, she said. Story goes on to say that Andrew picked up the little Bible that his mother had given him, though neglected up to that point, And he began to read it from beginning to end. Could this be true? He asked himself. Then he had one of those moments where God got hold of him. Hallelujah. How many have had that moment? Woo! Man, I could go back there right now. I remember it like it was yesterday. Andrew returned to Holland and continued what he calls his incredible voyage of discovery. And I'm going to tell you something. It's never boring serving Jesus being sold out to him it's always a glorious adventure from beginning to end if you'll give him that opportunity andrew said this finally one night a fragile little event occurred that changed my life far more radically than the bullet that had torn through bone and muscle a year before it was a stormy night in the dead of winter 1950 the sleet blew as it could only blow in holland in Gillard in mid-January. There were many voices in that wind, he said, and here's what they asked. What was I hanging on to? What was it that was hanging on to me? And these are good questions. What was it standing between me and freedom? Freedom. Jesus came to set us free. Hallelujah. Those that are free are free indeed if you're a follower of him. The rest of the house was asleep, Andrew said. I lay on my back with my hands under my head, staring at the darkened ceiling, and all at once, very quietly, I let go of my ego. Not let go of my ego. Let go of my ego. And that's what some of us have to do. Because it's Pride that keeps us from taking that next step, from saying, Lord, you did so much for me. Who am I to hold back any longer? 
He wants you. He wants you. He loves you, and He wants you to be blessed beyond measure. With a new note in the wind yelling at me not to be a fool, Andrew said, I turned myself over to God, lock, stock, and adventure. End quote. It was shortly thereafter that Andrew heard the Lord's call upon his life. And I'm going to get to a really cool part here in just a minute. And it was there that he, he confessed the following, and I really want you to catch this. He said, Where, whenever, wherever, however you want me, I'll go. And I'll begin this very minute. Lord, as I stand up from this place, and as I take my first step forward, will you consider this as a step toward complete obedience to you? I'll call it the step of yes. The step of yes. And every single one of us needs to make that choice and needs to say that to the Lord. Lord, if you're calling me, the answer is yes. Yes. Not no. Not, not now. But yes. That's what God wants to hear from you when He calls. Not, I'm not ready, Lord. Can you find somebody else? That grieves the Holy Spirit. When God calls you, it takes courage to heed that call. It's risky to be about God's business. But for Brother Andrew, it was just common sense to begin to serve the one who had paid the ultimate price for his freedom. Now, Brother Andrew was best known, if you didn't know this, for smuggling Bibles into communist countries where it was illegal to own one copy of this good book let alone hundreds like Brother Andrew often carried in his vehicle. One excerpt from Open Doors Ministries shared how Andrew was taking Bibles into Romania and what happened. Now listen to this. He came to the border where he could see the guards stopping every vehicle and searching them for contraband. The border guards were searching the occupants of each vehicle and even going so far as to dismantle engine parts and remove the car's hubcaps. They were pretty serious about finding things. This caused Brother Andrew to begin to think that he might soon be sitting in a communist jail. Then, this risk-taker did something that most of us would probably not have the audacity to do. He pulled out a few of the Bibles that he had hidden, and he threw them on the seat in front of him. <laughs> what? Why would he do that? Right? Andrew figured if he was going to trust the Lord to help him carry the Bibles into communist countries, then he might as well make sure that his faith was all in. If you hang out with the uh, uh, Texas Hold'em crowd, all in means all in. You're putting it all on the line. And that's what he wanted to do. What Andrew did reminds me of that passage that I just read from James. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So to capitalize on his faith, Andrew threw those Bibles right where the guard would be able to see them. This is what happened to Brother Andrew next. It was my turn. I put the little VW in low gear, inched up to the officer standing at the left side of the road, handed him my papers, and started to get out. I love this part. But his knee was against the door holding it closed. He looked at my photograph in the passport, scribbled something down, shoved the papers back under my nose, and abruptly waved me on. He's not done yet. Surely, 30 seconds had not passed. I started the engine and inched forward. Was I supposed to pull over out of the way where the car could be taken apart? Was I? Surely I wasn't. I coasted forward, my foot poised above the brake. Nothing happened. I looked out the rear mirror. The guard was waving the next car to a stop, indicating the driver he had to get out. On I drove a few more yards. The guard was having the driver behind me open the hood of his car, and then I was too far away to doubt that I indeed had made it through the incredible checkpoint in the space of 30 seconds. Yeah. 
My heart was racing, he said. Not with the excitement of the crossing, but with the excitement of having caught such a spectacular glimpse of God at work. Hallelujah. What a miracle. And this happened to him all the time. Get his book. It's an older book, but you'll, you'll enjoy it. It's, it's one of those faith builders. And next week I'll share a little bit about Vanya. That's another one about a, a communist soldier who preached Jesus everywhere he went, which isn't an easy thing to do in Russia. What a miracle. That's what the Lord wants to do with all of us. He wants to show off through us. He does. To Him be the glory. You may not be asked to carry Bibles into communist countries, but you might be asked to speak to your atheist neighbor. You may not experience the Lord causing your Bibles to become invisible, but you might experience His favor as you go into those unchristian places in your part of the world. Just in case you're thinking, I could never do what Brother Andrew did, let me share one last quote of his. God does not choose people because of their ability, but because of their availability. And that's who he's looking for today. People of faith who will say yes to him, who will become available to him, and he will do the miraculous in and through you. As I begin to close this week's message, God is looking for a people that are willing to be risk takers and mold breakers. We know according to Hebrews 11.6 that it is impossible to please God without faith. But when we place ourselves at the altar and when we say, whatever you want to do with me, Lord, my answer is going to be yes. Whatever it is. That's when the Lord will begin to break that mold that has held you back for so long. And that's when you will begin to do the things that you've only dreamed about before. Would you stand with me? Yes, it's risky to be in the Lord's business, to put your full trust in God, but it's also the place that you must get to if you desire to live amazing adventures that the Holy Spirit has in store for you and me. All of us need to hear this message. All of us. We need to get out of that faithless rut and begin to put Jesus first in our lives. The slide behind me says it. Are you ready to be a risk taker and a mold breaker? By the way, next week I'll get into more of what the mold breaker part means. But I really wanted to emphasize the faith factor this week. That it, it's risky to put yourself out there. To start telling people, hey, God's got this. What? Are you Like, like Brother Dave said during the offering. Those people thought you were crazy. You were hurting, and instead of throwing your tithe out and saying, no, we're not going to do that this week, i got to pay this. No, you put your trust in Jesus. The world thinks that's crazy. God thinks, that's my son, that's my daughter. If you're ready to begin your new adventure, if you're ready to say yes to the Lord, giving Him permission to use you, any way he chooses. If you're ready to be a part of God's solution to the world, you know there's so many problems out there we could solve. If you're ready to be a problem solver for the Lord and make yourself available to him, then I want you to come up here to the altar right now. You're willing to be a risk taker, a mold breaker, Everything about faith requires taking a step of faith. You're literally taking that step as you get out of that seat today. And you're saying to the Lord, yes. Yes, Lord. I don't know what he's going to ask you to do, but I know it's going to be exciting. My family won't let me use the word adventure anymore. Because whenever I do, there's always something that goes along with it that becomes crazy and unnerving and scary and yada, yada, yada. But with God, though you might be on a scary adventure sometimes, 
He's always right there with you. You're never alone. He's always got your back. And he's just waiting for you to exercise your faith. And you might still be in the audience and say, hey, I'm not even saved yet. If you want to be, get up here. Get up here. Make that step of faith. And I mean this in love. If you can't get out of your seat and come to the altar, then you will surely find it too difficult to take those bigger risks that God's going to ask you to take. So I don't mean that. I'm not trying to force anybody up here, but I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to say that. Would you bow your heads? Hallelujah. Just begin to honor him. Just begin to lift up the name of Jesus. Let it roll off your tongue. Jesus. 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 You are worthy of our praises, Lord. You have already taken care of everything. Because time doesn't hold you, it's done, it's over with. Past, present, and future, you took care of it right there on that cross once and for all. And Lord, every promise is yes and amen in Christ. Every adventure that you send us on, Lord, there's going to be a positive outcome. Somehow, some way, our lives are going to bring glory to you. And that's our desire today. There are a lot of people standing up here who are saying yes to you. And Lord, I pray that you would even now begin to speak new ideas, Lord, new adventures into their spirit. That you'll reveal a face, a business, something that you're going to ask them to do. Something that they need to begin even now praying about so that when they get there, they're going to have the umption and the gumption to do whatever it is you're calling them to do. And just like Brother Andrew, when he got to that border, he had to put his faith to the test. I pray that as every one of us, Lord, and I'm including myself in this, as every one of us gets to that place where our faith is tested, may we be faithful and not doubt, Lord. We come against the spirit of doubt in the name of Jesus, and we pray, Lord, that you would just give us strength to believe, to trust in the Almighty God that you are going to do what you said you would do. We stand on all of your promises today, Lord. And as we pray with that authority of Jesus, I pray that our, our prayers will be answered. They are answered in Jesus' name. And we thank you for that. Now raise this church up, Lord, to new levels. I believe you're beginning something right here. This is the foundation. You're going to build on this. And Lord, as you do, I pray it wouldn't be a weight or a burden, but rather, Lord, it would be freeing. It would be refreshing that each one of us would know what you're trying to do in our lives and we'd be excited about serving you and your kingdom. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 Now, I said this before. If you're here today and you're not saved, I just want you to pray this quick prayer with me, but it's going to have an everlasting consequence. For your name is going to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life once you've prayed it. Your sins will be seen no more by God. You will become a new person. So if that's you, just pray this prayer with me, and I'd ask all of the body to pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus, for all that he did for me, for forgiving my sins and cleansing me of all my unrighteousness. I ask right now to forgive me, Lord of all the bad things I've done and help me to begin to live for you. Let this be the first day of my new life. I dedicate it to you and I say yes, Lord, to the calling that you're putting on me. I love you, Lord, and I give you my heart and I give you my life. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. To God be all the glory. To God be all the glory. Now, one thing that we have not done very well here, and, and I'm trying to think of, I, I don't want 
everybody coming to me specifically, but what I do want is if you have a testimony where you know that it was a God thing that happens to you in the next week or two weeks or three, I want this church to start giving glory to the Lord. You all know Pastor Roger. You know Dave O'Hare. Dave, come on up here. Dave O'Hare, he's on the board. Uh, Tori's not here today. Pastor Barb, you know her. You can, you can grab her. Peggy, where's Peggy? There she is. The, these guys are on the board. Just share. If you get a testimony, something powerful, and you just say, oh, man, we, we got to. You don't necessarily have to give it, although that would be a lot cooler. It's always better coming from you. But if you get something that you know is from God, and God moves on your behalf, tell one of these folks, tell me if you can't find them. But I want to start letting him receive what so justly is. I think God's doing things, we're just kind of keeping it to ourselves. That doesn't build anybody's faith. Week one, risk takers, mold breakers, part two next week. Father, thank you for every person here. Bless us, keep us safe in our coming and in our going. Lord, we dedicate our families, this family of believers, into your hands today. Give us opportunity to preach the good news, to share our own testimonies, to grab on to some of those cool testimonies so we can share it back here next week. We love you, and we commit this church and its success into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at gaylorchurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.